Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome to our wonderful listeners uh, back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about something that people um, commonly experience, which is low back pain. So we're going to dive in from a two physiotherapist uh, perspective, and my guest Today is Linda McClatchy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Linda, I figure, um, you know, my listeners know I'm a physiotherapist and pelvic floor physiotherapist, but I thought we should start with a little bit about you, like what got you into physio and like, you know, tell us a little bit about your physio journey. Okay. So I too am a physiotherapist and a pelvic health physiotherapist. Uh, I have been doing this for 24 years and the last probably 10 or 11 uh, in pelvic health as well. Um, but I would say my favorite, favorite thing to see are people that have low back issues. Neck issues are good too and you know it's all good but I, but I love lower back issues because there's so much that people can do. So um, I actually got into lower back stuff and started my journey down the McKenzie uh, mechanical diagnosis and therapy trail. When I first graduated, I went to Western, um, graduated in 1995, moved to Florida for two years. And the hospital where I worked in Florida had divided their outpatient physiotherapy unit into two. You had the people that would come for back and neck issues, and then separately the people that would come for anything else. And basically I lost a bet because there were two of us that were new and starting and neither of us wanted the back area and we drew straws and I lost. And so that's kind of what started me that's... down this path. So uh, I my, my first, I think it was my first kind of post-grad physio course ever was McKenzie Part A. And uh, it was such a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. It is a great system. Um, you, you have to, I think, for everybody, draw from different things, but on the whole, the McKenzie system probably has something for everybody in there. Uh, and I worked through my courses and I got my, I'm credentialed in that system. And uh, yeah, I, I love to see people with back and neck issues. Yeah, so we're going to dive uh, certainly, uh, you know, deeper into, you know, this because it, again, it's so prevalent. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll chat a little bit about, you know, acute versus like persisting back pain and what might be happening in in you know, those uh, pictures. Mm -hmm. But I thought maybe um, because you brought up McKenzie and I'm sure unless you're uh, a physiotherapist, um, you're you're likely not going to know what that is. So I thought maybe you could just kind of briefly touch upon for um, anybody who may be some somebody suffering from low back pain. What what exactly is that? Sure. Okay. so Robin McKenzie uh, was a physiotherapist from New Zealand 
Um, he, he was very good at what he did, and this is back in the 50s. He, by accident, discovered um, by putting people with back pain in certain positions that he could very much alleviate their pain. And so he, he worked about developing this system just for trial and error and putting kind of a model together in his mind of what's going on and how is this working. Uh, and and it, was, it was kind of the opposite of what was done at the time. You know, it was very kind of revolutionary uh, for the thinking at the time. And so as research and everything has gone on over the decades, he just died, Robin McKenzie, a couple of years ago. He was well into his 80s. But there is a McKenzie Institute International. It has branches all over the world. It has a, um, a residency program as people move on in it. And so it's, it's heavily researched. It is valid and reliable. But practically speaking, for the person who isn't taking the courses but just has back pain, um, there are certain positions or movements um, that by putting your spine in different um, different positions or movements, we are trying to figure out what best helps to kind of settle down the tissue, settle down a nerve if that's what's causing the pain. Um, with back pain, sometimes people can have local pain or it can radiate down into your butt or leg on one side or both sides and it can move around and it can come and go or it could be painful or tingly or numb or all of it. So it can be, you know, scary because it can be very painful or it can just be persistent. And nagging. And nagging, yeah. And, and um, as a huge general statement, you know, um, lots of times lower back issues start for no obvious reason like without trauma yes and then they can persist for inordinate amounts of time and it sounds very very oversimplified oversimplified to say but but it's not like why so many back problems start is people sit too much and they spend too much time with their lower back rounded so of course everyone when they sit slouches for periods of time it's really hard not to yes but um you know you sit in the car people that have desk jobs are sitting for hours in their day and they're probably up and down but over the course of a day it would be several hours um sit to eat your meals all entertainment is sitting whether you're out for dinner you're watching television or you're at a computer whatever people that sleep on their sides, you know, hips and knees are bent, so your pelvis is tipped backwards and that's more rounding. Those are all just sustained positions. Then you've got brushing your teeth and sitting on the toilet and washing your feet and reaching in the fridge and it's hard not to bend forward. You, like people who have little kids, you know. Have to pick them up. lots, if you spend time on a bike, you know. So in every 24 hour period, we spend a lot of time rounded forward and that so, so much of the time is a big factor. So, so part of addressing people's pain to get at the root of it is often addressing their sitting posture. And it is not helpful to say sit up straight because, because you can't. It's not sustainable. And, right. and even if people could train themselves to sit up straight, your, your muscles aren't meant to stay engaged for periods of time like that. So 
you know, often it's beneficial to have some sort of supplemental roll or cushion that's firm and put that in the small of your back so that uh, when you go to slouch, it doesn't let your pelvis tip backwards and you can't because then your, your muscles aren't doing it. Um, so the McKenzie system then is figuring out what for any individual person helps to settle down their pain and the and often it's sustained positions or it's repeating certain movements because to do something once doesn't tell me a lot I need to know what happens as they repeat and we're trying to um, change the location of pain sometimes or just the intensity of pain and and it doesn't often take long to start to move it yeah it's 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 interesting because I was chatting with another uh, fellow physiotherapist and we were talking about you know um sort of assessing uh discs and and you know what treatment protocol and like one of the the first you know those are common i mean disc issues are are Mm -hmm. very very common you know we've had studies done you know where they take people with pain and people with no low back pain of all ages and you know they get x-rays mris you know um scans and everybody shows something on that which doesn't necessarily explain why we have pain but so discs are certainly a common things but we were talking about um you know postures right like trying to find ways of getting into a postural neutral you know Mm -hmm. with certain activities but then you know it's also not good to be in any sustained posture for a long like we're supposed good to move motion is lotion is the is the motto that i always like try to tell my clients is like you can't really be in any position for prolonged periods of time because the muscles get tired and you know um there's gravity acting on our bodies right so yep so it makes it challenging um you know to change the way um but also like looking at you know are people able to you know maintain spinal neutral with other motions right how are you lifting how are you squatting i mean you know i watch people squat and i see all kinds of you know different things and depending on how you're positioning yourself will depend on how muscles kick on and do they support you and you know um so it's kind of you know sometimes yes movement pattern but it's like sometimes low back pain is like an onion right we got to kind of peel away you know layers do you find that all the time yeah and it's interesting because um you know it's it's you're right when you say that that it really matters how you move around or that you move around you know and i would try to say to people who have a desk job certainly you know yes a lot of the time try and sit with some sort of supplemental lumbar support because slouching is really fully bent forward and people don't get a sense of that that you know if you were to stand up and to bend fully forward that is the same position as far as your low back goes as when you're sitting and slouching and people don't get that so that's not a great position to be in for sustained periods of time but you know practically speaking if you uh, take a lot of phone calls in your day. Try and get in the habit of of using a headset and stand up and move around a bit when you're taking a call. Uh, you know, for those times you don't have to be tied to a computer. Or if you're having a meeting with one or two other people, try and have a walking meeting, you know, so that you're not all sitting in chairs more. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, if there's times that you have to 
to be in front of a computer for whatever reason, then great. But if you have an opportunity to get up and and kind of plan your day, drink a lot of water because it's good for you, but also you'll have to get up and go to the bathroom a lot and that makes you move. So, right. you know, just practical things like that, that, that are ongoing. There was a study done uh, out of Norway um, and I don't remember the details, but the gist of it was they had people without any pain on a walking program. So these people all had desk type jobs. They started them at lunchtime going on a walking program. And one of their measurements was, um, you know, I mean, how can you really tell um, who would get back pain versus wouldn't? But, you know, um, I guess it helped the brain and it helped the spine uh, as far as people's productivity and comfort in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, it was just getting up and doing something different plus the movement. Yeah. Um, just keeping their body movement was helpful for kind of everything. People were more productive coming back having done that. Well, and this po- thought's just popping into my head, but when you're moving the body, like, you know, sometimes there are stressors at work. Right? Like you got deadlines, you got phone calls, you got, you know, maybe an angry customer. Like, and so you're actually building up tension, muscular tension as well, on top of bad positioning. So when you get up and walk around, like that helps you kind of release all, all that energy too. And, I, and I, I'd have to think that relaxing the musculature around the spine would also be less compressive. Sure. Right? So getting up, moving around, de stressing, refocusing probably adds to that clarity piece. All good, yes. Yeah. Agreed. So, does everybody, like, does everybody experience back pain? Statistically, 80%. So, most people. Yeah. And, and, you know, you and I are going to see only the people that have enough of a problem that they seek some help for it, you know? Um, There are lots of people that have twinges here and there and they don't persist Um, or it's mild enough that they've just learned to manage it and they don't it's not limiting them in anything like they can still go to the gym they can still do everything they want to do they just are a bit careful with their back yeah Um, I would say that that is not typical or ideal you know you you shouldn't really have to think about your back and if you do Certainly, if you're having kind of an ongoing conversation with yourself about, you know, should I do that? Or maybe I, maybe I shouldn't, Um, you know, there's lots that can be done because it's not typical. And I don't care if you're 70, you know, and I don't care if you've had 10 kids. It's, it's not typical. And there's lots that you can do to, to get out of it. And most people should, should not really be aware they have a back and shouldn't have any particular limitations around do's and don'ts of of managing it, right? You know, there's recent research to show that that you, you know, you can bend forward as you're lifting things. Like it's not that you have to have your core solidly engaged and your spine in perfect position or else you're going to do damage. No, people are resilient and your spine is meant to move in all directions. I think on the whole where people tend to go wrong is is just we live very imbalanced in 
in a two rounded forward all the time kind of right. life, you know? Yeah. It's being able to move through all the ranges of motion. And you're mm-hmm. right. I mean, you know, lifting won't necessarily, you know, um, cause damage. But I mean, certainly if there's some predisposition and you're kind of lifting in the same type of yeah. pattern, you know, that may put you at some some risk that you might develop some some pain. It's right? it's the stress that you aren't ready for. Yeah. That's what that's what will put it over the top. Yeah. Research shows. So, yeah, we we live in kind of a straight plane of movement whether we're walking or running or on a bike or um, you know, going up and down stairs like we move forward and back and we don't get to the sides and we don't do rotations and and um you know, that tends to make people stiffer over time. Uh, but, you know, kids get down on the floor and they play and they kind of move in all directions. And as adults, we kind of lose that. You know, we don't do that very much, if at all. Um, and so the same kind of stressors build up kind of in, in all body parts, right? But the spine can uh, is one that really matters. Yeah. So, again, just movement is good. Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I have uh, certainly the benefit of lots of education centered ar- around the spine and, and we know that, you know, tissues heal and, and things improve and you got to get moving gently and, you know, hurt versus harm, you know, mm-hmm. safe versus sore. We have all these concepts, but, you know, somebody who just, um, you know, went to pick something up and now for three days like that's a scary thing absolutely what would you say to somebody who's right now like laying on their back wondering like oh my god have I done something really serious yes so as as horrible and limiting and crappy as that pain is and scary of course yes it absolutely absolutely will get better and and um, somebody who you know the the cause of that wouldn't be the bending over to wash your feet and you can't get up kind of thing. It's it's all of the sitting on the couch watching TV and desk job and long commute and all of that kind of consistent rounding forward and then it was the washing the feet or whatever that puts them over the top. It's so much of the time is a cumulative kind of thing and and then it's just something simple that they do all the time that is just the final straw right so if somebody is just horribly acute and can't do much of anything at the moment um as a general statement that is not meant to be taken as absolute medical advice yeah um as much kind of walking around and just movement that you can do is good just kind of keep yourself slowly moving around be upright as best as you can and and try and stay a bit loose try not to sit for long periods of time and if you can if you are just like something that I would want to look at first to just see how people find it is if you can just lie down on your stomach and just being in that on your tummy flat position uh, you can get there fairly easily and just try and stay there for several you could stay there an hour if you wanted like there isn't a time restriction but um, that position is neutral for the spine so 
The only difference between me lying on my stomach and me standing is gravity. Right. But otherwise, it is it is a neutral position, and and so if people are able in that acute stage to get flat on their tummy and just kind of stay for a bit. Sometimes that lessens the pain, or if it's coming down one or both legs or butt or whatever, if it's radiating out away from the back, I would want to see if location-wise it it helps the leg and butt pain first to settle down. Right. So if it seems to lessen the pain, then great. Keep That's doing a good it. position for you at the moment, and call your physiotherapist when you feel like you can get there, you know, um, because there's lots to do on top of that. But as a, as a first step, um, if you can get into that position and it seems okay, then that's really positive. Um, if it is kind of spreading out from the back into the butt or one or both legs, um, you would want to be trying to get rid of that pain first and yeah. see if you can get it to to move up or centralize is the word towards the the butt and then the back itself. You're trying to get rid of radiating symptoms first. And if if lying on your tummy and keeping your spine neutral for several minutes at a time seems to move it in that direction, that's really good. That's a really good sign, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and of course, the the intro to the podcast already has a medical disclaimer uh, uh-huh. on it. But just you know, just as a reminder, you know, we're <laughs> talking in general terms. It's not everybody, you know, like always. Make sure you see a healthcare provider um, to get a properly assessed to to make sure that we've ruled out all the red flags and things like that. You know, we want to make sure everybody's safe um but want to give people some tips to you know try um you know try so um should like should people be afraid of back pain (laughs) that's so my my instant response is no you know but that's easy for you and i to say because a we work with it a lot and we we understand how it tends to behave and and we've seen lots of it so we just have lots of experience with it and we are sitting here perfectly comfortable you know we aren't having to manage it ourselves at the moment so I think it's too easy an answer to say should we be afraid of it no no you shouldn't feel like it is ongoing and you're going to have it forever and just because you've had it now that you are going to have to deal with it for the rest of your life. No. Things will heal. And as I've said a few times, there is so much that can be done to get back to the point that you can do whatever. No limit. Everybody, that is the case. You know, uh, the but here <laughs> is that you might have to limit certain movements or positions. But, but I want to emphasize that, you know, I, I never like to hear when people say, oh, you know, you, it, it is bending forward and sitting slouch that causes your problem and you can't do that forevermore. You know, that's impractical, but it's also wrong, you know, when that's like saying, you know, you, you wipe out and you, you have a deep cut to your knee and, and uh, you know you can't ever bend it 
past 90 degrees anymore because you're going to keep ripping that open. No, like you have to be careful with it at the beginning until it's scattered. And then it heals and you you are fine. Yeah. It's it's similar, you know, Absolutely. In, in most people and that at the at the start when you're starting to manage it and get to the the root of it, then there probably are uh, a couple of things that that you need to try. But but part of recovery is getting back to those things that used to provoke pain and and making sure that they don't anymore. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, there's something to be said in the the acute phase, like the body also, you know, is making it painful so that, you know, you do rest and you actually allow the opportunity for the healing to happen. Sure. And then as you start to, you know, improve, then your body's going to start to let you also do more. I mean, you know, we, we want to protect ourselves, you know, our brain wants to protect us too from, you know, sort of if I have a sprained ankle I may not want to run on it right away right exactly but it's not that you can't ever run again exactly yeah yeah um what's in your experience like the on and off back pain you know have it kind of for a little bit then it goes away and then it kind of comes back it's never really serious like it's not really that painful like manage it yeah it's just kind of like dull achy kind of kind of there um, you know, what's what's kind of happening in that picture? Yeah, that is super common. Yeah. Um, and, and again, we, you and I, will only see those people once it gets to the point that they can't manage it anymore. But lots of people just live with it. And because it doesn't limit what they do, they just kind of ongoing, you know, and I would argue that, that it, it is not a normal part of aging. It is not something that should be expected as you get older it's it's not so i i do not ever like to name structures because it's it's not reliable you know you and i understand that and you were saying earlier that that you could have an mri uh, which is going to show soft tissue and bones and you know it, it 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 shows you all of the structures but there is a huge false positive and false negative rate with MRIs in the lumbar spine. So just because something's there does not mean it's problematic. And, and anybody in their 30s and older will show some degenerative change at multiple levels. And so when I'm reading an, an MRI report, uh, you know, the radiologist has to report what they see. It doesn't correlate at all with what that person is feeling. And so they just have to say, well, it's, you know, there's some de- degenerative change at this level and this level, or this might show a bit of a disc bulge or whatever. So for it to be important, for it to mean anything, it has to correlate with what the person is feeling. I see a person at the moment who they uh, have constant, unremitting, 24 hours a day pain into their right leg. And their MRI came back and showed a disc bulge on the left at L4-5. So that is not what's causing their right-sided pain. So does it really matter what is? What matters is that, you know, we are, uh, she is much better. She is getting much better because of the positions uh, and movements that we are doing with her spine that are helping to settle down that nerve. So... 
um, to answer your question from so long ago, <laughs> yeah, yeah. somebody that has episodic back pain like that, they call it a self-limiting affliction because it is, we live so rounded in life and it's cumulative and then it'll start to hurt a bit when it's had enough and people won't bend forward to tie up their shoes or they'll be a bit more mindful with getting up to move around when it hurts to sit. And then because they do that, it gets better. And then they get right back to the same postural habits and positions and not moving around so much and, you know, hanging out on the couch to watch Netflix and whatever. And then the same stressors build up. So in X number of weeks or months, it starts to creep back in and it hurts again. So they're a bit more mindful of it and they restrict some of their typical slouching and there you go so they do a little more stretching they move around you know yeah and they self-care right until they don't have to right because pain is so out of sight out of mind yeah and then and it gets back to the point that that they can do what they want and and they revert right back to the same too much rounding forward in life habits because it's so hard not to it is it is everything yeah and 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 then the same thing builds up again And as a general, like research shows that the natural history of this kind of issue is when the source of it isn't addressed, it will tend to be the episodes will be more frequent or they will last for longer or they will start to radiate away from home or be more intense. You know, and not to sound all negative about it, but just keep moving, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The, the, yeah, just remember motion is lotion. Lubricate those joints, right? All of them, right? Yes. Um, In your experience, what are, so, uh, I mean, you've touched upon, you know, rounding out the spine and, and, and moving. Um, Are there any other sort of best approaches to dealing with back pain? I mean, certainly I think one of the messages is if you're starting to feel back pain, there's something going on, like maybe don't leave it for, you know, months and years till it gets really, really bad to see a physio um, would be one thing. Like if you're starting to, you know, or maybe you've had one or two, three episodes, like that might be a good time yep. to just come seek you out some advice. We can, we can get lots of information um, even if you don't have pain at the moment, you know, like don't wait until you're in a lot of pain before you're like, oh, I should probably learn something different about how to manage this you know I should probably see if I can fix it Um, you don't have to wait till you have pain before it's addressed you know that's I guess one thought and I love the fact that until this point in time we have not talked about our core yeah I love that it used to be it is very 1999 to talk about core strength as part of fixing your back pain because again, as a, as a gross generality, it will not <laughs> fix your pain. Now in fairness, when people don't have pain, I am all for a strong core. I, I've never heard anybody say, I think I hurt myself because I'm too strong, you know? Like it, it is important to keep all of your muscles strong and, and supple and mobile, you're right. Um, absolutely, but it is not because your back is weak that people have pain or your core is weak uh, it is it is so much of the time due to postural concerns and and habitual just living life and those movement patterns 
Um, when your pain is better, I'm all for core strengthening, but it is, again, generally, it is not a part of fixing the person's pain. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And for anybody, so just for clarification purposes, like when you say core, you know, what do, what, what are, you know, you know, just the general population when they think core, what are they actually thinking? Like, what is it that they're doing that they think is core that abdominal work, like abdominal strengthening, um, your front abdominals, like crunch, like sit-ups or planks or where you're engaging your abs and moving your legs in some way or the side oblique uh, abdominal muscles. Um, again, it's, it's important for lots of things to have a strong core. When you move anything, when you go to reach out your arm and lift up your coffee mug, it is your abdominal muscles that engage first and then allow you to move your limb. It's the stability. Um, but it is, it is the root of the pain is, is not the the a weakness in the core most of the time most of the time i mean <laughs> i want to say always but i'm sure somebody's going to prove me wrong so so but it's you know almost always <laughs> so let's um let's let's talk about lower back pain and pelvic floor dysfunction mm-hmm. because you know pelvic floor is part of the core yes absolutely so you know let let you know what is it Weakness? Is it tightness? Hmm. Well, I we can probably relate the pelvic floor to to most things now, can't we? Um, yeah. You know, as a general statement, the pelvic floor muscles uh, sling underneath from your pubic bone on the front of your pelvis to your tailbone on the back. Yep. And so when you sit and slouch it's like you tuck your tail. So your tailbone comes closer to your pubic bone, which shortens your pelvic floor muscles and they are wildly inefficient when they are short. Yes. Don't even bother trying to strengthen your, don't do Kegels in that position because you aren't gonna get that far in yeah. terms of strengthening. So in that, in that shortened um, muscle position, uh, that's not a great position for your pelvic floor to stay in. Yeah. And like posturally, how are we? But again, we are. There is a strong correlation between lower back pain and pelvic floor dysfunction. Which is not at all to say that everybody who has low back pain has pelvic floor dysfunction, or everyone who has pelvic floor dysfunction certainly does not have lower back issues. For sure. But there is a connection uh, between them. And there is research now to show that um, somebody who comes to see us for incontinence or um, certainly pelvic pain somewhere, uh, if you are doing some work with their spine that can help those um, pelvic conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I would say that, and it's always an interesting conversation to have, like you and I long ago lost perspective on what is not normal to talk about, right? Because we talk about pelvic health related things all day long, bowel movements and how do you leak and sexual positions and, you know, various things, all of which, 
you know, your gut and your pelvis, and, and that has, has a direct influence on your spine. Um, but it's, it's always interesting, somebody that comes to see me for lower back issues, and I will ask them about their, uh, their urination, or if they leak, or if they notice any pressure or heaviness in their vagina. Um, you know, do they, how often might they urinate? Do they feel like they can empty their bladder fully? And, you know, that's always a conversation because they're like, what? My back hurts. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they're kind of looking at you like, why are you asking me these questions? And, and that's the interesting thing. We should be asking those questions. And a lot of physios aren't because, you know, they're not trained in pelvic floor. So they're not necessarily thinking about that structure being part of the picture, right? We want to rule things out and make sure we have a whole picture sure. of what's, you know, what's involved, what's going on, right? And and even the person who's sitting in front of you with back pain, they might be having all of these other pelvic health related issues and they wouldn't think that it's like, why would they think that it's at all related to their spine um, or that you could do something to help them with it? Why would they mention that? You know, that's something that they may not even want to talk to their doctor about because lots of people just aren't comfortable doing that. But, um, you know, it, those kind of issues can, can be related to their spine. It can certainly just be a, a pelvic floor related issue as well. So again, it's not that it has to relate to the spine, but also lots that can be done about that. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to say like, because uh, I, you know, I get it often by the time a client makes it to me for, you know, pelvic floor, you know, exam, it's always the, the same story. I didn't even know, like, this existed and like, yeah. why isn't nobody talking about it? Or, you know, why wasn't it recommended? Or, you know, physiotherapists do that for that? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, those are some of the common things or common comments that I'll, that I'll hear. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's this therapy has been around for a while. Like, you know, and there are things you can do. And, you know, we've sort of normalized a lot of these, you know, pelvic floor issues, certainly for women, certainly for women who've had children. Um, you know, we've normalized their yeah. leaking and, and stuff. So um, they're not talking about it. You know, we're out there trying to talk about it. But, you know, uh, there's only so so many of us in a huge population. So doing, you know, having a podcast or, you know, trying to get out to a larger group of people, Absolutely. you know, we're about trying to make that positive impact. Um, and, and I would say in my pelvic health caseload, half of them for sure are men. And, and often people are surprised by that. They're like, yes, men have the same pelvic floor muscles, mostly. And, uh, you know, almost every man who's had prostate surgery will be incontinent. Yep. And, and they need to get to work on their pelvic floor as well. I love seeing those guys. They're they're fantastic, and they're so and very like, motivated. <laughs> very motivated. Very like grateful. Also, like to be like I can actually like do something. Yeah. To help expedite this, the you know this recovery, and oftentimes, I mean, I've certainly had a few men who've come in and were like, I didn't even know that this was going to happen. Oh. Yeah. Right. And so yeah, it's a big wake up, or they think, oh, you know, it's going to go on sort of for a month. Oh, yeah, no. And Mm -hmm. I'll often explain, mm, it tends to take a lot longer, you know, than one month, right? Um, Because there's, you know, there's so many different things at play when you're healing from, you know, prostate um, surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But yeah, and and I mean similarly, like we can say that you know there's probably a link between pelvic floor and low back pain in men too. Absolutely. Right. Like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I see a guy at the moment who uh, has testicular area pain, just kind of generally through there. Comes and goes a little bit, but it is there most of the time and just uh, gets better or worse in intensity. But it's pretty constant and he's had it for years. And of course, he's had like everybody looking at his prostate and multiple tests done. And uh, finally, it was suggested to him, well, you know what, maybe a, a physiotherapist who does pelvic floor work, you know, see see where you get. But nobody was was particularly hopeful with that and he would be one that um, we do a lot of spine work and that immediately changes his pain yeah he does not have back pain he only has it in and around his testicles right and it's interesting and i and sometimes find it challenging to help people understand the link between you know muscular tension and holding patterns that are in the back how you know it's a canister and it wraps around to the you know to the front nerves referral of symptoms yeah yeah and fascial connections and and all of that so you know when we're working on an area that's outside of the area that you have pain it's it's we're there's a link right it's not like well let's just see if working on your back might fix it it's you know we we know that there are certain muscles that have typical referral patterns and and we want to make sure that we address you know any issues that we see to make sure that it's not a contributing factor to Mm -hmm. the pain right yes yeah awesome i you know are there any um other sort of success stories that kind of come to mind that were just kind of like well 24 years of doing this is yeah is a lot um uh, it's it's always you know you will get people at times walking in the door uh, where they have to use crutches because they their back pain and it radiates down a leg and they it is so painful that they can't put weight through it you know um, I once had a person who her then fiance had to carry her in because she couldn't walk it was so intensely painful and we were able to find in that in that particular case uh, a kind of a twisty position and that was that would give her quite instant relief and then she'd get up and move and after a short bit of time it would creep back in but as she kept doing it and things were improving she would be able to go for longer and longer and longer without that pain Um, and and she got married and like right around the time that this was all happening of course right and she wasn't at her reception she had like a a lounge chair that her bridesmaids had all decorated because she had to kind of stay in that twisty position to get relief at her wedding reception anyway she is long better and fine and and uh, she was off work for a time she she's a nurse and she's like this was years ago and she's She's fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was, uh, that's, that sticks. She'd make my top 10 list of worst back issues I've seen. Yeah. And <laughs> I imagine like 
the the stress kind of centered around that too right like you know because sometimes these things will show up at like what seemed to be the most inappropriate times right yeah. like wedding time oh, and like poor soul right and then you're thinking oh, is this ever you know gonna get better and and so it's kind of hard not to sort of ruminate and catastrophize a little bit about yeah. the situation and yeah like pain is unpleasant right Absolutely. like it is unpleasant right um but it doesn't have to be permanent Absolutely. And, and it, it almost never is. Yeah. What about people who back pain for years? You know, we're talking about the persisting pain individuals. Do you have any success stories with that? You know, people who've had, you know, really terrible back pain, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ongoing, you know, maybe on disability, you know, mm-hmm. what about, you know, those really? Yeah. And those, you know, of course they're, they're complex, you know, the, anybody who's had pain anywhere for that amount of time, your body tries to heal itself and it and it does you know but it might not be perfect and and research now shows that people that have ongoing persistent pain their their brain gets involved and it's not you know it's not psychological it's physiological like you and i know pain is real it is something that they absolutely are experiencing but you have to go about working with that differently. I would treat that person completely differently than somebody who has like the, the super acute, yeah. horrible pain that just started. Um, you have to start to, somebody that has just persistent ongoing pain and they will have limited themselves to certain things because over the years they will say oh this makes me worse and so they just get to avoid it and sometimes their lives can become really very small because they're they're scared to do anything and so many things seem to make them worse so you have to start at a place there's there's a lot of education around around um teaching their brain um, to to not see everything as so threatening and get them kind of moving gently in ways that that isn't making them worse and and getting them moving in certain ways that are new to them that they don't typically do yeah. or getting them to you know put on their socks in a different way because they they maybe don't put on socks because when they they can't bend forward to to make that happen so they wear sandals in the winter because they aren't going to put on socks so you know you can just get them doing things in different ways that shows their brain okay wait a minute i can do this and it's not making me worse and uh you know so it's just it's it's a it's a completely different way of of helping them improve their their pain and also their function and movement yeah absolutely um it's almost like the alarm system is is just like any movement can can you know set the set the alarm system off of of pain so of course we're not going to approach those clients the the same same way and we have lots of you know neuroscience research behind education behind you know mental imagery if need be to get you kind of moving without moving to to decrease kind of the stress stress load of that movement and um, all kinds of different things 
but you're not going to get a typical physiotherapy approach in those cases, right? Like, you, you know, the, doesn't the, work. the manual therapy and, you know, the core exercise, you know, whatever, the exercise, like those typical approaches in that population tend to not respond the same way. And they've probably had already years of, you know, physio, massage, chiro, like everybody's sort of been helping them and the approach has to be very different mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In, in those cases because of the way the the brain is you know understanding the information coming from from the body and and motor planning and all sorts of other things so i just wanted to highlight you know highlight that piece um for anybody who may have had pain for a really long time that you know the approach has to be different uh in those cases but improvement is still possible absolutely Mm -hmm. so linda if people wanted to find you where can they find you uh, in Mississauga, the clinic, uh, Elevation Physiotherapy and Wellness, Google. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Basically, yeah. website. Website, Facebook, Excellent. Instagram, LinkedIn, oh. okay. any of those typical ways. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it would be under Elevation Physiotherapy Physical. and Wellness. Yes. Okay, well, for our listeners, we'll, we'll post a, a direct link um, so it makes it easier um, in the uh, podcast show notes. Um, and so, Linda, I mean, it's been an interesting conversation. Uh, you know, I'm always learning, you know, uh, as well. Um, as physios, as we physios, like to learn. Yeah, we do. And we like to see other physios' <laughs> perspectives, right? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's the wonderful part about our profession is that we are always learning. We're always looking at this, you know, research. We're always trying to find uh, better ways to help people move and feel great. Like that's what we're here to do. So mm-hmm. I, I love having conversations with other physios to, you know, either confirm or be like, oh, I never thought of that. And and that makes me um, a better practitioner. So, um, so I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to do this podcast. And of course, we appreciate all of our listeners. And uh, if you um, enjoy our podcast like make sure to subscribe leave us uh, a comment or a, or a review on uh, wherever you're downloading this podcast because it'll help us out in terms of getting the impact that we're looking to achieve which is helping people live a better life so anyway so thank you again linda thank you bye for now everyone thank you for listening to living a better life podcast Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.